welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Emma. I'm Becky. Um, so, today I went to see, I've got a little spooky story before we start. Do you want to hear it? It's not spooky, it's just weird. I mean, the only reason I'm yeah. here, girls, is for the weird and spooky. I went to see a lady, she's called, an, uh, in France, they're called naturopath. So it's basically somebody who heals with alternative medicines and it's all homeopathic and, you know, and with my dizziness and I'm at such my wit's end that, you know, I'm willing to try anything. Hey. So I went okay. to see her and she did all this weird stuff. Like she was putting little tubes in one hand and then she made my me pinch my fingers on the other hand and then tried to separate my fingers. And depending on like the the resilience or that my fingers gave her it yeah. gave her an indication that what was wrong it was really weird and she oh, did this wow. for about half yeah it was she did this for about half an hour anyway so then she's mixing me up some kind of potion with all these herbs and essential oils or whatever she was doing yeah and uh, she said to me oh you know you've got you've got a lot of love in your heart haven't you I was like yeah well yeah you know <laughs> I think I do and she's um <laughs> and she said oh you're very anxious about your kids and I said well yeah duh everybody's anxious about their kids at the minute but yeah mm. and she said oh you've got a lot of anger because this is happening to you and you know other stuff and I was like yeah and then she says and you're afraid of the invisible realm, aren't you? And I was like, what? Pardon? And she's like, you know, like ghosts and spirits and stuff. Like You're frightened of them. And I was like, that's such a weird thing to say. That's I so said, weird. I said, well, I mean, I don't particularly want to see one or meet one or have one in my house. But, you know, yeah. otherwise I'm all good. And then she goes, yeah, there are dark entities and light entities. And then she just moved on to something completely different. Oh, my God. That's so creepy. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so. It- I bet you were like, what am I going to. Thanks. What What do I do with that? <laughs> how do you go? How do you move on from that? <laughs> I mean, th- it was it was it was very strange. The whole ordeal was very strange because. I kept asking her what she was doing because I didn't really understand. She just kept putting like tubes in one hand and then trying to separate my fingers on the other hand. Yeah. And I kept asking her what, you know, what, what, what's happening? And she's like, you're a control freak, aren't you? And I was like, well, I guess I like to know stuff, you know, what's, what's, what the deal is. And she just kind of smiled and left it at that. (laughs) Like, I'm not telling you. It's very strange. I find it strange that she wouldn't talk you through it. No, she didn't really. Well, she was just, yeah. On these tubes, there were things written like diseases and bacteria and stuff. Yeah. And then, and then she was trying to separate my fingers. And depending if my fingers resisted or didn't, it meant that I had that bacteria in my body that I'm she's given me stuff to detox i don't know it's very strange but now i've got um yeah in this potion that she made me something to make me unafraid of the invisible realm what oh she's popped that in as well oh yeah she popped it in oh wow but i'm like i didn't even think i was i mean it's so random 
I'm dizzy. Yeah. Why are we talking about ghosts? <laughs> so is she like... Well, she must be like a psychic or something then as well, no, surely? You know, like no, open I, I to I don't that. think so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, she obviously believed it because she just kind of casually said, yeah, there are dark entities and light entities and then just moved on. Like... You know, to I just never think of the French as being open to stuff like that. I don't know why. Well, they're not as much as as Brits. We love a good yeah, ghost story, don't we? We do, we do. But yeah, random. <clears throat> so weird. So weird and so random. But I've got a whole list of homeopathic stuff to try to detoxify my body. Yeah, I love a good homeopathic remedy, so... Well, she's, you know, she said, yeah, I've got all sorts wrong with me. So I I need detoxifying. Mm. So let's let's cross our fingers. Anyway. I wonder if you'll sound any different after being detoxified. Maybe it's the toxins that make me. I feel like I'm like 90% toxin, to be fair. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) Not for me as well. I think you're not human if there's not a little bit of toxin in there well I mean I li- I'm literally living off pao chocolat and chocolate at the, the minute pao chocolat are nice aren't they well it's because it, all the medication I'm on I've just got no appetite so the only yeah. thing I really can be asked to eat is a pao chocolat <sighs> watch me not w- lose any weight though <sighs> dear me anyway enough chit chat Becky yeah well I hope you all have had your dinner because uh, this is a little bit stomach turning, is this one? (laughs) Oh, it's a gruesome one. Pretty gruesome. Yes. So this this story revolves around a woman called Catherine Marie Knight. She she kind of looks like um, even though she was born she was born in the fifties. She you know that big curly eighties kind of hair that all of our parents yeah yeah or, yeah or aunties and that had in the yeah. like the big perm. it was that but like a really red ginger it's almost like um that guy um is it brian may from queen that oh, kind yeah. of but not as curly as that that it looks like you know when kids draw a cloud yeah that's what it looks like around your head okay so that's what she looks like but it's 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 red hair that's kind of what she looks like with them big glasses and like a real toothy grin. That's what she looks like. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'll read these at the beginning so I always forget. My sources were news, there was an article from news.com, Murderpedia, Wikipedia, I think there was a Times article, and then YouTube as well. You're so good with your sources because like, I'm just like, meh, I found stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I never list them all because you go everywhere, and I, I can't remember where I get things from, really. <laughs> so I try and list as many as I can. So Catherine was born twenty fourth October nineteen fifty five in Tenterfield, Australia. So I thought I'd do an Australian one. Oh damn it! We should get Tom. <laughs> this one's for you, <laughs> Tash. You want to give the Australian a try? G'day, mate. Uh, that was pretty good. Stick something on the Barbie. 
that was that was. I don't know what happens at the end. <laughs> it started off well. I feel like saying good day, mate. That's easy. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Anyway, not Australian, so I'm not going to pretend I am. Let's um, cut that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Um. So, in the way that this bit here at the beginning, the way that some of the articles wrote wrote about it, you know, how they try and make it sound all dramatic. Um. I was like, when was this written? It, anyway, it's um. Catherine was the result of an affair between her mother, Barbara, Barbara Ruff, Rauhan or Ruffin, <laughs> and her father, Ken Knight. So Barbara was already a mother of, of four boys with another man, mm-hmm. and she met, met this guy through her husband, Ooh. this uh, Ken Knight. And in some of the articles, it was like, oh, Catherine was a result of a scandalous affair. Like no one's well, ever had an affair. I think it was a scandal before. then, wasn't it? Yeah, but why write it in that way now? Oh. These were recent articles, but I think it's like trying to show how what the attitudes were back then. She shagged a bloke her husband introduced her to. I think it's pretty scandalous. Yeah, but the way it was written, it was like, oh no, <laughs> it was just, just really over the top. And um, anyway, this Ken Nine wasn't the oh, let's put my tea down. Wasn't the typical Prince Charming that you'd uh, well, not like you'd expect the man that you're having an affair with to be like that. But you kind of expect him to be better than your husband. He was a bit of rough, wasn't he? Yeah, he was an alcoholic, violent oh. man. <laughs> Very rough, not just a bit of rough then. <laughs> um, he would reportedly, he raped Barbara up to 10 times a day. What? Hold on, did she have an affair with him or? Had an affair with him, must have moved in with her and her four kids. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't get that. Oh, I thought they were just shagging and she got pregnant. So she left no, her he husband. Moved in with her. She left her husband and I think he was with someone else, but I don't think he was married. Right. Um, and he moved in, uh, being the asshole stepfather. Um, yeah, and apparently he'd rape Barbara then up to ten times a day. Ugh, so piece of shit. Then, but then awful. But then Barbara would go and tell her daughter all about it, and like she had other daughters while she ended up having sisters, and she was one of eight in the end. Well, I'm not Catherine. surprised she had. A lot of kids. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so she'd say to her daughters, oh, men are awful, men are disgusting, and he rapes me all the time, and made, really made sex a horrible thing. Yeah. Like, really tainted their mind. I mean, obviously, she wasn't having a great time at home. It sounds absolutely horrendous. Um, but I don't know, I just think, I mean... I will, I'm not in her position, but I don't think I'd tell my young daughters all about something like that. No. No. And I mean, um, you protect I mean, them, don't you? The world's you magical. Yeah. Them. But also, Lee, could she not yeah. have left? Like, I mean, it's always them things, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's easy to say from the outside, True but that. I think they'd already had an affair. She was now with this guy. This was in the 50s, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they couldn't have and do it again. I don't know. Uh, following this awful start in life, Catherine had a pretty chaotic childhood. 
she claimed that she was sexually assaulted by several family members until the age of 11, but not her father, just other family members. But it didn't go into who. That's horrible. Uh, At school, Catherine was known as a bully who terrorised smaller children and frequently found herself involved in violent altercations with other children and on one occasion a teacher. Bloody hell. She quit school at the age of 15 without learning how to read or write. Oh, my God. Yeah, and started work at a clothing factory, and then she would, about a year later, land her, quote, dream job at an abattoir, slicing and cutting out the internal organs of animals Sorry, that was her dream job. Her dream job. Dream job. I know this story, Bex. Yeah, it is quite a well-known one. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, she loved her job so much that she clung, uh, she clung, she hung her first set of butcher knives over her bed, just in case she ever needed to use them. Right. But, like, she was obsessed with knives. Okay. In her personal life, however, Catherine quickly became known for her violent temper, which could be triggered by the slightest perceived wrong from her partner. Despite this, she didn't seem to have any trouble finding a boyfriend or a lover. It's always the way. It's like, the weirder you are, the more likely you are to have, like, a bloke. Is that why me and Emma are married? I was just going to say, I feel kind (laughs) of targeted. No, no, you're not targeted at all. Mm. Different situations. Well, we but all you know, know what, what an mean? absolute mental case, don't we? I am. Um, there was a girl I used to go to school with in England. She's absolutely mental, and she still is. And she's always never had trouble finding a guy. Yeah, but also the caliber of men that she wants to date is not going to be the same level of person that no you and I would date, is it? I suppose not. No. Somebody I know. Always has a new fella. Like, she'll split up with him, but then within a few weeks, she's got another new fella. Mm. The girl hasn't even got all her teeth. Oh, nice. Like, I just don't get it. She um, met her first husband, David Kellett. Sorry, I always need to burp. The minute we start recording, a million burps appear. Oh, the podcast Um, burps are real. (laughs) Yeah. So she met this guy, David Kellett, and they uh, end up getting married. Um, the attacks on her first husband began on their wedding night. Uh, David woke up to find Catherine with both of her hang- hands around his neck, choking him. What the fuck? Oh. The reason for this is because he only managed to consummate the marriage three times before falling asleep, and Catherine was not satisfied. I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but please carry on. (laughs) (laughs) It was her wedding night, Tash. She's, she had needs. No, I agree, but I... Just get a vibrator out. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. sort yourself out. Keep it in the drawer. Leave the poor geezer alone. Yeah. Throttling is, seems a, a bit much. I feel like three times is... That's okay. Yeah. And he was drunk. On your wedding so night. He was tired. Does, do people even have sex I mean, generally you're night? more knackered because you've just had a wedding and... Or yeah. drunk. 
You're either passing out drunk or you're so exhausted. Yeah. Her own, so Catherine's own mother, so Babs, uh, told, told David, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her the wrong way, do the wrong thing, and you're fucked. Don't ever well, think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. She, I mean, I don't know who sounds worse, the mother <laughs> or the daughter. Well, the daughter's fucked up and it didn't come from nowhere, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mummy dearest. Um, but her mum has also raised this child that would be completely quite pleasant until the minute you do anything wrong and then she yeah. explodes she just goes into a bat- fit of rage. Bat shit crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. But like over nothing. There's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. Socks on the floor is very annoying. Yeah. Well, she'd strangle you for it. Well... I think that's unfair. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes on to say she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. Uh, David was, uh, I've put alcoholic, but he was an alcoholic. <laughs> What's an alcoholic? Just like, just when you need to relax a bit. Yeah. I'm addicted <laughs> to chilling out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Catherine used um, his dependency on alcohol against him. She was particularly violent towards him. And then with him being in a bit of a sloppy, drunken state, she just completely dominated him over their relationship. Um, Was he an alcoholic when they met? Yes. Yeah. I just feel like she then can't hold that against him. And she's gone from... Like being brought up with an like alcoholic to then marrying an alcoholic, so you know. Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering that's maybe that's where some of the hate came from when she was violent towards him. Yeah, possibly. Like, but she knew what she was getting poss- herself into, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the marriage was particularly violent. On one occasion, a heavily pregnant Catherine burned all of David's clothes before hitting him across the head with a frying pan. <laughs> Simply because he'd arrived um, home late from a darts competition. Uh, because he'd actually got he got further in the competition than what he thought he was going to do. He got to the finals, so he was back later. So in fear for his life, he fled the house before collapsing at a neighbour's house. And he was later treated for a badly fractured skull. So she really went Fucking at him with this frying she pan. Went- in yes she's a psycho because of cartoons though i always think getting hit on the head with a frying pan is funny so i always i was smiling when i was writing it down (laughs) i bet he didn't think it was funny yeah i mean it's not not funny is it like (laughs) (laughs) it's the noise that it makes (laughs) and then the instant like anthill that like appears on the head but domestic violence is not funny, guys. So, you know. Throughout all of her relationships, she's the abuser. She's, it's just domestic violence and it's awful. Police wanted to charge her, but she then realised what was happening. So she was on her best behaviour and talked David into dropping the charges. In May 1976, shortly after the birth of their first child, Melissa Ann, 
David left Catherine for another woman. Good, I mean, good on him. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really surprising, is it? No. Well, cause, yeah, because was, she was heavily pregnant when she hit him over the head with the frying pan. This wasn't that long after. Yeah. Uh, he moved to Queensland, apparently unable to cope with Catherine's possessive, violent behaviour. So the day after he left her, Catherine was seen walking down the main street of the town, pushing the baby in a pram. So the baby was about, I think that was, she was about nearly two months old then, six weeks. Uh, and she was violently pushing the pram from side to side. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen a baby push a, a a doll in the pram and they like go a bit mental and they push it from side to side yeah, yeah. really hard. That's what she yeah. was doing, but with a real baby in the pram. What the fuck? Why? She's just going, uh, going mental. She took mm. David leaving her out on the baby. Oh, no. So she was doing that shouting at people so she was admitted to st elmo's hospital in tamworth where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and spent and several weeks recovering so who had the bubba i don't know where baby was then so when she was released she um either got baby back or whatever so baby was two months old by then she went out with baby again took the baby, wrapped her up, and placed her on some railway tracks. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Then she stole an axe and went into town and was waving the axe around and threatening to kill people. But where's the baby at this point? Still on the tracks? Still on the tracks. I didn't know this bit. Of course. Um... A man known in the dis- in the district as Old Ted was foraging near the railway when he heard the baby and thankfully removed her from the tracks uh, three minutes before the train passed by. Oh, God, it makes my stomach churn. Yeah. So if he wasn't there... That baby... That would have been it. That baby was dead. This sounds like postnatal psychosis to me rather yeah. than depression but this is the 70s so it wasn't looked into as much is post postnatal mm. psychosis a thing then yeah it's yeah. where you then kill the baby or harm the baby it doesn't necessarily mean that you hate it sometimes it can be in a way that you think you're protecting it by killing it yeah Fuck me but it doesn't always present in that way as well. No, like absolutely it not. In other ways as well, like yeah. trying to harm yourself or other people, or yeah. you can maybe like be fiercely protecting the baby and want to kill, like your husband, for example, because you don't want them near the baby. Like it's, it's like yeah, so never severe, heard of yeah. that. Have babies, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. No. So Catherine was arrested and taken back to the hospital. She apparently then recovered and signed herself out the following day. Oh yeah, that whole 24 hours really changed her as a person. It's just um, it's just like a hangover, isn't it? You just have a little bit of sleep and you're fine. So the baby's not with her now, surely? Oh no, baby's with her. 
Baby doesn't get taken away. Oh. If you think anything like that's going to (laughs) happen. Still not done. A few days later, Catherine slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives. That seems uh, perfectly reasonable. Yeah. She demanded that she drive her to Queensland to find David. I don't think slashing somebody's face is the way to go about that. Yeah, I know. It's a bit rude. Well, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. <laughs> Boy, like, Thanks no, for exactly. that, babe. Sorry, I had to process what that meant, but you're absolutely right. Kill them with do. kindness. That's what my dad always taught me. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't know that. And uh, didn't didn't... This is more mental behaviour. So luckily the woman escaped after they stopped at a service station. But by the time police arrived on scene, she uh, Catherine had taken a little boy hostage and was threatening him with the knife. How is she not in prison? Like, what? I don't know how. There's how many things has she done now? Three things? Four things? It's mad. And she's yeah. still not in prison. Or or on a psych ward. Yeah. <sighs> she's just living her life. Slashing people With up. a baby. With a baby. She's still looking after the children in between taking people hostage and that, so I'm doubt doubting about the looking after the children. Yeah, well the baby's still still alive. Right. Like, yeah, they live. Just because your child's yeah. alive doesn't mean it's being looked after. No, no, looked after in a way that you know she's still alive. Um, she was so Catherine was thankfully disarmed by police when they came at her, attacking her with brooms. <laughs> so <laughs> that will do it. <laughs> So, uh, with this, I um, I was like, brooms? Is that an Australian word for baton? So, I um, <laughs> I went on Google and typed in Australian police brooms because I, I just wanted to know. I was like, did they really just attach her, attack her with brooms? All Harry went all Harry Potter on them. And um, so, I typed in on Google, Australian police brooms. And I fell on, um, I found a, an article that says, I just thought it was funny, where is that? It's a Daily Mail article. Police appeal to find the villains who forced open a storage container and broke two brooms sweeps the internet. <laughs> <laughs> the culprit should expect a brush with the law soon. Oh, <laughs> this journalist was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's all. That I just uh, I didn't read the whole article. I just thought that was funny. Is a broom a broom? A broom. I I'm thinking a broom is a broom. Okay, they attacked her with brooms. But maybe it was so they had like brooms are pretty long, aren't they? They're like what one meter yeah. twenty. So you're getting like you could disarm somebody with a broom, couldn't you? Yeah. So. That happened, and she was admitted to the Morissette Psychiatric Psychiatric Hospital. She spent a few months there, 
where she told nurses that she had intended to kill a mechanic who had fixed David's car because that had made it possible for him to leave her. Oh, she's so fucked in the head. Blimey. Despite this threat, David ended up taking Catherine Catherine back when she was released from the hospital. Their reunion didn't last very long, and, and Catherine went through a period of deep distress after David finally left her for good. Their marriage ended, uh, and then she goes and yeah. meets another guy called David, but a David Saunders this time. Um, So after the failure of her marriage, Catherine began to began a brief rebound relationship with David Saunders in 1987. The couple had one child, a daughter, and the relationship would soon turn violent again. At one point, how many kids does she have? Two. She has two two. girls with first David, and then she has another girl with this David. Right. Oh yeah, so when when he took her back, they ended up having another daughter and then he finally left her again. Okay. Right, and now okay. we're on to David number two. So and the vo- the relationship turned violent, she completely dominated this David as well. At one point she slit the throat of his two month old dingo puppy in front of him just to show him what she was capable of. What <laughs> the fuck? I mean, the fact that her dream job is like butchering dead animals at an abattoir is a massive red flag for a start. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all downhill from there, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I know how this ends, and it's not good. No, it's not good. Catherine would end up stabbing David David, with some scissors and hitting him with an iron. Again... Funny. It's like Little yeah. Mo, isn't it, in EastEnders? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and Home Alone. Doesn't someone get hit in the face with an iron? Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, Doesn't he have, yeah. like, the, the pointy bit on his forehead? Yeah, he does. He gets some, the iron mark on his head. See, I think she's been watching too much telly and thinks that it doesn't hurt. I think she's a fucking does. psycho that needs to be locked up, but hey. Yeah. Um, so he ended up fl- fleeing the home. But Good again, call. every that single time wise. they fuck off and leave the kids. I don't know. Yeah, I was just I just think I wouldn't that. be leaving my kids with some mental case if they've if Absolutely you've been hit on not. the head with a fucking iron. Like I know she tried to put one of them on a train track, but has she ever displayed any other violence towards the children? I don't know. I just think it was on and off. Uh, nothing, I couldn't see any reports of it. Yeah, and I think her kids just want to forget her as much as possible now. I mean, I can't yeah. imagine they had an ideal upbringing. No, I don't think so. I hope they did and they didn't see all this side, but I don't understand how you can have all that violence and the kids not see it. Yeah. Oh, kids know. Kids p- hear everything, pick up on everything. They know. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just mum stabbing dad again. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he fled the home. While he was away, she burned all of his clothes and took out a restraining order against him. Because um, he's a problem. 
Yeah. He told the police investigating... Um, oh, mate, no. He told the police that actually, no, he was the one that was being stabbed with scissors and shit. But she'd already taken out this restraining order, so he wanted to come back and get his daughter, but no, they couldn't. And then she moved away. Um, then she met, yeah, another guy. Was it a David? Yeah. This time it was a John. Ah. Uh, John Chillingworth. So in 1990, she began a three-year relationship with John Chillingworth and they had a son the next year. She then had had she They had a son. So in those three years that they were together, they had a son together. So I'm baby number four. Four now, yep. Then she had an affair with another John, John Price. So she likes to go in twos. Oh, I see what she's doing there. Same name, it's not cheating. It's easier to remember one name, isn't it? Not cheating. Yes, you're absolutely right, Emma. It's it's not not cheating if you've got the same name. Exactly. Everyone knows that. John was reportedly a a pretty stand-up guy. He wasn't perfect, but who is? Uh, he was a father to three children when he met Catherine. He was with someone at, a t- at the time. So they both had an affair and got they got together. At the beginning of Catherine's and John Price's relationship uh, was actually without complication for once. He had two older children who lived with him um, and they seemed to get on really well. He made enough money as a miner to keep her comfortable and happy. Um, They moved in together in 1995. So that was five years where things were going pretty smoothly. No stabbing, no irons, no frying pans, no puppy killing. There was nothing reported as in no stabbings, no hitting on the head with frying pans and irons, like you say. Okay. Yeah. I assume it wasn't perfect for five years. You don't go from... From complete psycho bitch. Stabbing people with stationery and then... Killing puppies. Well, I don't know, because I think... I'd like to think that for the right person, you would change. (laughs) Oh, babes. (laughs) 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 Bless you. Yeah. No, I know. Apparently, she decorated this house while she lived there with knives, hunting gear, boots, all um, things like, you know, animal heads, hunting trophies. Massive Like an absolute, you know them horror movies with a hunting shed in the middle of nowhere? Mm-hmm. And it's all decorated with all them freaky things. That's how she decorated the house. The house that's full of children, you know, where you kind of don't want, even on the ceiling, this was, everywhere. Oh. Yeah. Um, Look, she likes to decorate how she likes to decorate. She has a style. <laughs> <laughs> she might. She might not appreciate my... Um, you know, all the trees that I have in my house. What, all the many house plants? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's that's trees. What I'm trying to say. <laughs> trees. <laughs> <laughs> if 
If you have trees growing through your house, baby, that's not good. No, but I have got a tree. It's like a house plant, but it's a tree one. Um, right, back to the story after that. That was, that was um, interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> um, murder, murder, murder. House plants. However, paradise was not long-lived. When she suggested they should get married... Uh, he declined, and that's when she turned violent. I just think he must have known she was a little bit crazy. You don't marry the crazy ones, don't you? Not the like psycho crazy. Not these ones. There's crazy, <laughs> a little bit crazy. <laughs> crazy fun. She isn't crazy fun. She's crazy off oh, for fuck's sake. She's like crazy knifey, knifey yeah. crazy. You know when you go out with your friends and there's always that one that's a little bit crazy. And sometimes they get a yeah. bit too crazy and you're just like, oh, for God's No, sake. I don't know that. What do you mean there's always that one that's a little bit crazy? If you don't know, it's because it's you. It's you. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> anyway, she turned violent. She didn't like that. Catherine framed John for stealing things from the company where he worked at. It was, he'd brought a couple of things, you know, things that companies throw out and you can take it. You, they used to let you take it home. It was yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I don't even know what it was. Um, things that have been frozen. Didn't he work in a mine? Yes, I, I don't know what it was. Was <laughs> he taking coal. home coal? <laughs> it must be equipment. Um, so she filmed yeah. it and sent it to his boss. Uh, and so he got fired. So because of that, he... What a dickhead. I know, twat. Um, he kicked her out. And a few months later, they started seeing each other again. I mean... Her vagina must be amazing because all these men. <laughs> she's doing something right, isn't she? <laughs> she's chasing them away she with scissors and She gives good jobs, that's what it is. However, this time after they got back together, he refused to let her move back in. Um, according to their friends and neighbours, Catherine's violence really began to escalate. Uh, in February of 2000, an argument between John and Catherine ended up with her attempting to stab him in the chest. He took out a restraining order, a restraining order against her in an attempt to keep his children safe. Yeah. So thank fucking God. Yeah. Towards the end of the month, Price let on that he was concerned for his safety and told his co-workers that if he ever went missing, it was because Knight had, um, Catherine had killed oh him. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, that's toxic um, relationship when it comes to that. Yeah. Price, uh, so John Price took her back and Catherine told her daughter. So how old was her daughter at this point? When, what, in the I'll be late teens, wasn't it? 2000, 2000? Now she'd be in her 20s, wouldn't she? The daughter. So she told her daughter... Uh, this is a quote. I told him if he took me back this time, it was to the death. And if I kill Pricey, I'll kill myself after it. Yeah. That's yeah. not a normal thing to say. If she's going to kill him and kill herself. It's not good. Um, And then this um restraining order, order that he took out on her was a too little, too late. On the 29th of February 2000, John... Price came from from work and followed his usual routine of checking in with the neighbours before going to bed at 11pm. 
Catherine came over shortly after, made herself dinner, watched TV, showered, went upstairs. She woke Price, uh, she woke John and they had sex and then he went back to bed. Then Catherine took a butcher knife from next to her bed, her famous hanging knives, where she had always kept her knives. And then she went up to John, who was sleeping, and stabbed him 37 times. He woke up during the attack, but couldn't fight her off because she'd already stabbed him. Uh, He succumbed to his injuries, and Catherine dragged his body downstairs, hung his body on a meat hook in the living room. So that was sort of a famous decoration with meat hooks and shit. Um, then she decapitated him, cut, cut him up into pieces, uh, well, cut part of his body into pieces, and she cooked him with a dish with potatoes, pumpkin, beets, courgette, cabbage, squash, and gravy. She made him into a stew. Yeah. I mean, she's good at what she does. She butchers meat. She knows what she's doing. I really wish that he was called Stuart, though, because she could have made Stuart into a stew. <laughs> Becky! <laughs> she, missed, she missed an opportunity. She did. I'm just saying. Um, she then lay down to her partner's headless body and took a large number of pills and passed out. So the next day, after John didn't turn up for work... They, his colleagues were who were already pre-warned by John that if he didn't turn up or, you know, to look out for Catherine. So yeah, he always came into work and he hadn't called to say why he wasn't in. So they called police pretty quickly to do a welfare check. Um, so when Constable Scott Matthews and Sergeant Graham F- Furlonger, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Furlonger attended this welfare check at his Aberdeen home on the morning of March the 1st, 2000. They could never have expected to walk into one of the grisliest crime scenes of their careers. So they go there, no one answers. They look in the window and I think they kind of, it looks suspicious, so they go in. As they go in, they go by a door where lying, blocking the door was a curtain. So they said that they could see something hanging there and it was blocking the entry further into the house. It looked like some sort of blanket. So they reached, he, one of them reached out to push the object aside and felt something cold. And then he looked at his arm and realised his arm was covered in blood. And then, then he realised that it was in fact a human pelt, the skin minus the head. So it was just a full human skin hanging from on top of the door frame. That's how good she was, though. She'd got all of his skin off in one go and just hung it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is Just minus the head. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was good with the knives. She was well known for it. Are you um, going to talk about the food? Have you heard this bit about the food that she prepared? I don't know if if you've got more on that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to it. 
Yeah. Um, as difficult it is to imagine, there's something even worse that's awaiting them a little bit further in the house. In the lounge, police find John's headless body. Um, and then the murder weapon, the butcher's knife, laying beside him. His body had been skinned, then decapitated. They looked at the skin and it was done so skillfully that um, like all of the face, nose, ears, all them fiddly bits were still there. It was so, so expertly done weird. that after the post-mortem was done, they could uh, they actually sewed the skin back onto the body. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Horrible. Um, it was a start of a journey into hell as p- police worked their way through the scene. In the kitchen, they found Price's head in a stew pot, uh, what they later would be described as a real sickening stew, and um, it was still quite hot was the pan so that they managed to work it out that this had all happened in the early hours of the morning. On the kitchen table, everything was set for a, for a meal. She had prepared part of his um, bum um, in a meal and uh, oh. she'd set the table for his I kids. I imagine that would be quite a tender part, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose that if you're going to do Bump. it, that would be the bit to have. So she'd set the table for his kids with notes for each kid, like at the at the table. So she she made notes addressed to his son and daughter. So she was planning to yeah. serve their dad to them for dinner. Oh my god. So it was such an awful scene that the police there, a lot of them had to take time off to cope with it. Yeah. Because the stress level was awful. So she was, uh, Catherine was arrested the day after the murder and she was interviewed on the 4th of March. She said that she didn't remember the murder. Oh, well, yeah. That, that old chestnut. The people that were assessing her didn't believe her but because she'd on purpose put taken her kids to her mum so that the kids would be out of the house when she was doing it so she could do it all you know it showed premeditation right she knew what she was gonna do madness yeah she pleaded not guilty when her (laughs) trial began in 2001 uh because of the high probability of the graphic evidence would cause distress to jurors. They had to bring in like a backup jury just in case, you know, in case they couldn't cope with it. But then she changed her plea to guilty. And um, she just never really realized what she'd done. Well, never showed remorse for it and uh, just didn't, didn't give a shit. She apparently had taken her time um, skinning him and that, so it must. It, apparently, she had a really good time doing it, and it was just an awful mm. end for poor John. She was found guilty and was sentenced to life in prison, and she could never be released. So she was the first woman to be 
Yeah, in Australia to be pr- imprisoned without without the possibility of parole. Like forever. So, sh- forever. It's like never yeah, let this... In Australia, they, they tend to release people after a while. But not this one. Um, yeah. It's about reform, but you can't reform that. No. So, yeah, the judge said the pl- prisoner should never be released, and she never was. Is she she's still so, alive? I think she died, and I just realised I didn't put that in. So let me have a look. What I was going to say earlier, Becky, is actually when the cop when the cops turned up to their house, they noticed that there was a, a plate of food that had been thrown outside. I don't know if you heard about this. Oh bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. She had actually eaten some of it, but didn't finish her plate. Yeah, it made her sick, but she de- uh... she'd eaten some of it. Yeah. Oh, I think she's still alive. It made her yeah, sick. Yeah, she started eating what she'd cooked and it made her sick, so she chucked the plate out the window. Maybe her cooking wasn't very good. Yeah. Or maybe it was the fact that she was eating her boyfriend, <laughs> you know. I know, I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's 66 years old. She's still alive. She's still alive. God. Yeah. And there we are, that's there. So she's still alive, and that's the story of Catherine Knight. I mean... Crazy, crazy. Crazy, evil. I mean, yeah, really bad upbringing. Fair, fair, fair enough. But still, oh my God. Yeah. Ooh, there's a picture of her. Yeah, probably don't Google image search her name because there's pictures of the crime scene and that. I mean, you don't see any body parts, but there's a hell of a lot of blood. It's rather disturbing. Totally Googling that later. (laughs) You should definitely Google the brooms story, though. (laughs) Very interesting. Well, thanks for that, Bex. Thanks, Bex. Really enjoyed it. Sorry, it went on for a while. It was quite long, wasn't it? What was the other famous the one that ate his victims? Oh, Dharma, wasn't it? Jeffrey Dharma. Dharma. Yeah. Because he wanted him to be his forever. But that's not how the digestive system works. Yeah, he's confused. <laughs> ah. So, my go. Where are you taking us this week? <laughs> Well, you know how last week I said, oh, I'll try and not do anything spooky. I'll try and find something about Bigfoot or whatever. I lied. I lied. (laughs) So this week I'm going to talk to you about um, a little girl and her family. So the little girl is called Heidi Wyrick. Does this ring any bells to anybody? No. No. Okay. So the story starts in February of 1989 when Heidi was about three. She moved with her parents, Lisa and Andrew, to a three-bedroom brick bungalow in Ellerslie, Georgia. They bought the house, uh, I imagine quite cheap, as the previous owners had just up and left and abandoned it. Red flag! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they never really asked why... They just up and left. They would just thought, "Hey, cheap house, but but you know, bargain. Let's go for it." Yeah. Well, people get do get into debt and they end up abandoning places. Yeah, that it's happens. Not unheard of. That happens. Yeah, but you try and sell it, wouldn't you, to try and get some of your money back? Maybe. Yeah. Me. You'd have thought, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. 
It's very suspicious. So that they love the community. It was very safe. It's it was perfect place to bring up a child. Apart from the only downside was in the like local community, there weren't any other children for Heidi to play with. So one day Heidi's playing outside and she meets a man, uh, an old man in a suit with grey hair and he comes up and he says, do you want to go and play on the swings with me? I'm Mr Gordy, what's your name? And she's like, oh, hi, Mr. Gordy, I'm Heidi. Um, I best just go and ask my mum. So she goes inside and she says, mum, can I go and play on the swings with this man, Mr. Gordy? And of course, her mum's like, "Uh, fuck no, of course not. Stay in. And she rang her husband straight away, thinking that somebody was trying to, like, abduct their child. So Andrew comes home, drives all over the neighbourhood, asking people, you know, have you seen this man? Nobody'd seen him. There was nobody around. So that was that. So from then, when Heidi went to play outside, Lisa watched her like a hawk. And she would see Heidi talking to nothing. And she said she would see Heidi like putting her hand up to hold an invisible hand. Yeah. No high fives then. No, definitely no high fives. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm talking about a three-year-old kid. And Heidi would begin to talk more and more about Mr. Gordy. So, of course, her parents are like, oh, okay, Mr. Gordy's an imaginary friend. But the weird thing was, they were like, well, why has she made up an old man in a suit as opposed to, like... Another child her age, you'd think, you know, a kid making up an imaginary friend, they'd make up someone their own age. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was weird. Heidi becomes like, she sees Mr. Gordy every day. They play together on the swings. She starts to want to have her meals in her room and she has to take a plate up for Mr. Gordy. Of course, that plate always remains untouched. But yeah, she she just thinks Mr. Gordy's her best mate, basically. So one day, the doorbell rings and Heidi goes to answer the door and there's a man at the door with blood all over his T-shirt and a bandage wrapped around her hand. Um, and he says his name's yeah. Con. So she runs, Heidi runs to get her mum. And when her mum gets to the door, there's no one there. But again, at this point, her mum's like, is, she, is this just Heidi imagining it? Or is there really a, a wounded, suspicious man? So she goes around the neighbourhood looking for this man covered in blood. She doesn't find anything. You know, no one's there. So over this period, Lisa's sister has moved into the house next door that came up for sale and they're a close family. So Lisa said, hey, why don't you, you know, buy this house next door and then we can all be together. So that's great. And so her sister Joyce moves in next door and Lisa starts talking about Heidi's imaginary friend, Mr. Gordy. Now... Joyce, so Lisa's sister, vaguely remembers that name from somewhere. Um, And sure enough, she finds his name on the deed to her house. Right. So 
Joyce calls the previous owner, I think it was a woman called Kelly, and mm-hmm. said, do you know who owned the house previously or have you ever heard of Mr. Gordy? And um, Kelly, uh, Kelly says, actually, Mr. Gordy was a really good friend of our family. Um, he was an estate agent, hence why his na- his name was on the deed of the house. He must have helped, you know, the family with the sale. He always wore a suit. He had grey hair. He he fitted Heidi's description perfectly, but he had died in 1974. Yeah. So okay, so he'd been dead a while. So yeah. he'd been dead a, f- a good few years. So Kelly comes over to Lisa and Andrew's house to talk to the family with a load of pics. She doesn't have any of Mr. Gordy, but she has quite a few of old men that kind of fit the same description. And she has some of her family members, etc. So they're kind of trying to catch Heidi out to see if she's fibbing. Yeah. But Heidi doesn't recognise any of the pics, except one where she says, hey, that's Con." You know, the man with the blood and the bandage. And the woman, the woman, Kelly, says, no, no, that's my Uncle Lon. So, you know, I imagine Uncle Lon, Con, uh, three, you could get that mixed up, right? Yeah. So he'd actually lost his hand in a cotton gin. Now, I had to Google what a cotton gin is. It's a machine that separates the cotton, basically, to make it into a thread. Oh, that's awful. So okay. he'd lost his hand in a cotton gin at around age 20. And he'd had since he had died of cancer in 1957. But he had okay. lived on the property. So he had lived in Lisa and Andrew and Heidi's house. Yeah. So obviously everybody's so now... two. Yeah. So that's two. I mean, she could have... You know, a coincidence with the first one, like getting that right and describing him could, you know, that that could, you know, it could happen. But then that's two now that she's got almost completely right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So and the whole cutting off your hand. I mean, how many people cut off the hand? It's you know something that's super common. No, no, exactly. But he didn't die from cutting his hand off. But like, it's. There is a theory that if something really traumatic happens in a person's life, then that's how they will appear in the spirit world kind of thing. And I can't think of anything more traumatic than cutting your hand off in a cotton gin. Well, it'd be quite quite, um, gruesome, wouldn't it? So everybody, obviously, is freaking out after realising that Heidi can see dead people. Yeah. Um, and Lisa, for some weird reason, decides to tell Heidi that actually Mr. Gordy has been dead for quite some time. I don't know that I'd tell my kid that. I'd just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. And I... No, no, they, they, they told Heidi that he was dead. But instead of being upset, she asked to be taken to his grave, which again, weird. Is it weird, though? I think for a three-year-old, for a small child, I I mean, weird that she knows what a grave is. Yeah. But maybe... Because their sort of knowledge of death isn't the same as ours. Yeah. So they're just quite... Oh, yeah, she was it, very matter-of-fact about it all. Yeah. Yeah. So 
they take her to the graveyard. So there's hundreds of graves in this graveyard. Heidi's tiny. She's three, four. She can't read. And yet she ran straight over to the grave that said Mr. Gordy. She knew which one was his. Almost as if he was taking her to it. Almost as if he was there. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So Heidi grows closer and closer to Mr. Gordy and she also often sees Con, i.e. Lon, um, and she's like in her own little world and her parents feel shut out by it all. So they decide that a great idea to distract the little girl from the dead people that she can see is they're going to get her a dog. So one day Andrew comes home with a dog. And Heidi, of course, okay, for a certain okay. amount of time, it works. She, you know, she loves the dog and they have a great time. But the only thing is the dog pretty much instantly starts growling at nothing and showing all its teeth and barking and staring at nothing. Yeah, a lot of the time in the house, which really freaks Lisa out. And uh, eventually the dog runs away. I don't think it stayed very long. It ran away and it it was never found again. So I think the dog was just like, "Uh, I'm out. Nope, Nope. it's a no from me, guys. I'll take my chances on my own. (sighs) So Heidi, up up to now, Heidi's fine. She's taken it all in her stride. She's not frightened. Everything's good. So one day she felt another presence in her home and this one made her scared. She walked down the hallway and saw a dark figure walking about the house. She couldn't see his face. It was like he was a shadow person. Whereas the people she'd been... Mr. Gordian Con or Lon that she'd been seeing were like physical, real people. You know, she had no idea that they were ghosts. Yeah, but this right. one, she she could see no facial features or anything. It was just like a shadow, and she freaked out. She became hysterical with fear. Mm. Her parents calmed her down, but from that day, Heidi didn't feel safe in the house anymore. Oh, bless, bless her. her! So she saw this entity multiple times in the house, but she was the only one who could see any evidence of paranormal activity. Of course, nobody else can see anything. Yeah. But that all changed one day as Heidi was playing with one of her real friends, a proper other child. Yeah. And Lisa was just a on the set. proper other child. <laughs> a proper yeah. other child. Um, <laughs> Lisa was just chilling, watching them play on the settee when she saw one of the dining room chairs spin round and pull along the floor as if it was joining in with, for a chat with the kids. Mm, that is horrible. Yeah. Quite unpleasant. Imagine that. I d- oh. Don't want to. No. And how old were they at this time? Were they still small, the kids? Uh, I think Heidi's probably like getting on to seven, eight at this time. All right. So I always think kids are pretty open to everything spiritual until they get to about four or even, you know, or. Just like when their speech gets up, I always think kids always are a little bit more open to things like that. And then yeah. once they start to be able to speak a lot more and communicate and stuff, they kind of forget how to do it. Yeah. So if she's already like seven or eight, yeah. 
It's a little bit more than usual. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it's a bit more than just like my child telling me that there's a angry lady living in the attic with purple lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the woman who I now think about quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy about that. But anyway. No. So Heidi was feeling more and more threatened by the dark shadow entities um, and even asked her parents to move. They kind of put a brave face on and were like, don't worry, nothing can hurt you. But they obviously were also having their doubts at this point. One night, Heidi went to wake her parents up saying that her face was burning And so they turn on the lights and they pick her up and she's got three massive claw marks down the side of her cheek. Oh, babe. So they put that down to her scratching herself in her sleep. I mean, these are huge... I mean, there's limits, isn't there? These are gashes that she's got on her face, right? Yeah. But, so they put it down to her scratching herself in her sleep. But the night after, Andrew, so the dad, woke up with three burning claw marks on his side. Oh. And the night after, and the night after, and the night after, he was covered in these large, deep claw marks. So at yeah. a complete loss of what to do, they get in, t- in touch with a guy called Dr. William Roll, who is um, a scientist who studies the paranormal. But he kind of studies okay. a paranormal trying to find a natural and normal explanation. Yeah. Right. So he wants to prove what it is. He doesn't... He's trying to disprove paranormal. Is it that? He's trying to prove paranormal events by normal uh, happenings. He's trying to find a logical yes. explanation, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I'm glad um, I worked out how to get the words out there. So he comes over and he says Heidi's just hallucinating or that she was experiencing residual hauntings. So she was experiencing past memories of events that had already happened in the house, but there weren't actually any ghosts at all. There was something to do with, there was quite a high magnetic field in the house. It had something to do with an earthquake that had happened. And that was why Heidi was super sensitive. And she was picking up on all these past memories of the house, right? Okay. Right. So he had absolutely no explanation for the scratches, however. So we're just going to forget they happened. Yeah. He had, on the other hand, found a photo of Mr. Gordy and he mixed them in with a pile of similar looking men and gave them to Heidi and said, right, which which one is Mr. Gordy? And uh, he was down the bottom of the pile somewhere and Heidi picked him out straight away. She said, that's Mr. Gordy. And she was she was dead right. It was. See, that freaked me out. I just wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't want my kids to see dead people. No, no. It's just not cool. No, definitely So, Lisa and Andrew found out they were going to have another baby. So, baby Jordan was born. Heidi at this time's around eight. um, And she's been seeing her friends, Mr. Gordy and Con, less and less. But she still sees the dark entities. Ooh. 
Joyce, Lisa's sister, who lives next door, had also heard a little girl laughing during the night. She said it was quite a sinister laugh. And when she went looking, she actually briefly saw the entity of a child. Like, what is it about laughing, though? I I don't know. Kid, kid, giggling. It's just weird, isn't it? As with many of these stories, there are different versions. So one one thing I read said that Jordan was a girl. So Heidi's little sister was a girl. And then another thing I read said Jordan was a boy. So... That's helpful. Very helpful. But I'm going to go with Jordan was a little girl. Yeah. Um, So their second daughter, Jordan, when she began talking, she began talking to a little girl who had died in a car accident. Oh, that's nice. So they now have two kids who are talking to... Two freaky fucking kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... As Heidi grew up into her teens, she made friends at school and lived a relatively normal life. She had one of her um, best friends over one day when they started to hear really loud bangs. No one else was home, so Heidi went to investigate. And following the bangs, she came face to face with the dark shadow person who had been haunting her all these years. And they freaked out and just left. (laughs) Did it ever speak? No. Or was it just like wandering around like... Apparently like it pulled her hair and pinched her and of course it clawed but... And it made it, it, it made yeah. her very cold like whenever it was around it that the temperature dropped. But I just feel like do something more. Do you know what I mean? Like either... Tell me what you want. Actually... Stop banging the tell cupboards. Tell me what you want yeah. or fuck off. So passive aggressive Don't is, is pull my banging hair. cupboards. Yeah. So annoying. It really makes me jump up and oh You yeah. tell them girls. Yeah, I definitely would have got um <laughs> soft close doors for all of the kitchen yeah. if she was just going around try try and slam that. Ah, can't do it now. So a reporter had got wind of the uh Wyrick family haunting and drove up to the house one day to interview the family. But he never actually made it in in the door. He got such a bad feeling that he turned around and left immediately, saying he just felt a bad thing coming from the house. Yeah, bad juju, yeah. bad juju, yeah. and was like, "Nope." So no from me. But of course, <laughs> imagine that. Nope, you turn. Bye. <laughs> yeah, not worth it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly what happened. That could have been career-breaking for that journalist. Yeah, I wonder if he regrets it. Well, the news, anyway, got out mm-hmm. about the Warwick um, house and Heidi being able to see ghosts. So she was, her life was then ruined because teenage people, well, teenagers, I imagine she's early teens by this point, are mean. So they were, she yeah. was constantly ridiculed at school about it. So, yeah. Not kids, only kids are mean anyway, and then now she's gotten a massive, massive excuse for them to be even meaner. Yeah, exactly. So one night, Lisa woke up to voices above her bed whispering in gravelly, growly voices. She said she couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, but it sounded like they were talking about her. 
fuck that about, about Lisa, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. What were they saying? Whispering and shit. That's weird. Again, really passive aggressive. Yeah, really bitchy ghosts. <laughs> really bitchy ghosts. Oh. So the fam- the family at this point are at a loss at what to do next. So they turn to their church for help, but it didn't really help much. So they rang Doctor Roll again. I always oh, yeah. find in these stories that the church church do fuck all. The church, <laughs> they're happy enough to take your change, but the minute yeah. you need an exorcist, they're nowhere to be seen. Yeah. What the fuck are they playing at? <laughs> well, Dr. Roll comes because he's now curious because Jordan can see spirits as well. And that Joyce and Lisa have both experienced paranormal activity. So he starts to believe that the wo- the women of the Wyrick family are psychic and that they've got this They're sixth witches. sense. So, and, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I see dead people. There are seven soldiers in the walls. <laughs> oh, that was, that is awful. <laughs> Thanks for that, you two. <laughs> That and then Rose keeps uh, going. Ah. She keeps crying in her sleep. So that's, this is terrifying. Thank you. So point of the podcast. Well done. Extra points. Is your spine chilled? It is a little bit. Good. Are your cereals killed? <laughs> Damn those oh, wheat a bit. Giggle snort. Yeah. No, I've now put both feet on the chair and. Um, no feet are touching the floor, ready to be grabbed by the no, seven soldiers in the wall. Do you? No. Seven days. <laughs> oh, fuck that film. That film was horrendous. That what really shit that? me up for a long time. Did that film? Was it The Ring? Mm, the Ring. Yeah. Oh, Every- so horrible. But I don't know that it would scare no, me No, I've watched it. I've watched it well, recently, in the past few years. Uh, a few years ago, I watched it, and it's not as bad as I thought, as I remember it. But do you remember when it came out, and then, like, you'd tell your pal you, you were going to watch it, and then someone would always ring you, wouldn't they? Like? I did that with um, my brother. When it was the end of um, secondary school, he invited, like, the whole class to our house. And they all slept yeah. in the garden in tents. But anyway, they wanted to yeah. watch a horror film. So we were in hours outside in the garden and they were watching this horror film and I knew they were watching The Ring. So um, when it, I kind of like <laughs> look through the window at the, the, the bit where they watched the tape and uh, yeah, I did the whole ring and then go. And then um, what was the good thing about our, our um, home phone back then is it wouldn't work unless you put it on speaker. So there was no private conversations oh, going on. Better. So, yeah. yeah, so he had to answer the phone. And then I did the whole seven days like that, threw down the phone. And the, all I could do was... <laughs> and they all started screaming. It was really funny. <laughs> uh, such a great big it, I think about it every now and again. It does still bring me joy <laughs> to this day. <laughs> well, that was very well funny. Played. Yeah. Funny story about the ring. Um, I watched it at a friend's house and it wasn't at all planned. I'd, I'd never even heard of it. And I was around a mate's house and we started watching this film. 
And it was like halfway through the film that I realised that the night before I dreamt the exact film and I'd never heard about... Yeah, it really shut me up. I was like, why the fuck have I dreamt this? Um, I... Oh my like god. Like deja vu. No, no, no. I had dreamt about a little girl dying in a well, c- crawling out of the well, like all dislocated and weird oh. and Oh yeah, it was such a horror it's such a weird, disgusting film. And that isn't it? that scared me more than the film because I was like, why the fuck did I dream that? Because I hadn't s I hadn't yeah. even heard of it. I had no idea I was going to watch it. And the night before I watched it, I dreamt that. So that was me then. I was like, she's going to come and get me. Um, and another yeah. funny story about that film. You know, I used to share a flat with uh, Australian Tom. Yeah. yeah. So I've got... Who? Who? Big up Australian Who? Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I've got really long hair. And at one point it was dyed black. And I also have like a white nighty kind of thing so <laughs> you are oozing sex i feel right now was it old-fashioned with frills yeah down it, to the it, ankle it's like gypsy just like below the knee length there was nothing sexy i actually think it sounds so yeah it wasn't it wasn't sexy but anyway one night when i knew we'd watched the film and tom was not impressed with it as as usual you know, he was quite afraid of it. And uh, yeah. I just walked into his... I don't his, believe it. I walked into <laughs> his room with my hair all brushed in front of my face, walking all dislocated. I thought it was hilarious. He did not think it was funny yeah. at all. <laughs> did, did he scream? I, I don't think he screamed, but yeah. I think there was a lot of, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. No. Stop it. <laughs> nope. No, stay there. <laughs> I'm a cow. Oh. Sorry, Tom. Sorry. I'm not sorry she did it, Tom. I reckon it would have been really funny to watch. Oh. It's a shame that you didn't have cameras installed. That would have been pretty funny. I should yeah, it wasn't it wasn't when everybody had like cameras on their phones to film. I should have filmed his reaction. <sighs> yeah. And I did it you more than have filmed once. filmed it on a really old fashioned camcorder and it would have looked even worse. <laughs> I, I did it more than once, and every single time he was like, "Nope, stop it, don't like it." <laughs> yeah, no, nope. yeah, but especially where you lived was haunted. Yeah, it so. was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> we all felt it. <laughs> so back to the story. Yes, I think actually that was our first tangent. So go us. I think we've done well today. And it wasn't completely off topic. It was on topic. Yeah. Well, well done, us. Yeah. Well- Back to the story. Yeah. Yes, please. So, Doctor Roll has now decided that the uh, Wyrick family women have a sixth sense, um, and it it runs through generations. He he deducts this because he visits Lisa's childhood home and he interviews. Uh, her other family members, and it actually turns out that her mum sees people as well, but that Joyce and Lisa had always just never really paid attention to what their mum was saying, just like she's, you know, she's having us on, she's messing about kind of thing, because she'd never told them it in a scary way or anything like that. 
But yeah, it turns out that it had been in their family for generations. So Dr. Roll then says, why don't we get another psychic in to come and see what they can pick up on and see if it, you know, relates to what the girls have been picking up on. So they do, they get a psychic to come. Uh, the family have no contact whatsoever. They they actually leave the property before the psychic get that gets there. So she first finds a good spirit that she describes as a caretaker. And then she sees a little girl and she says the little girl looks so real that she actually took like a few looks to make sure it wasn't an actual real little girl. And then she came across three not-so-good spirits, two elderly gentlemen and one younger one with no face. Okay. Uh, She didn't talk about any demonic entities or anything. She just said they were negative spirits. And she kind of used the example of if somebody's been a murderer or a serial killer in real life, in death they don't turn into all rainbows and unicorns. You know, they, they... they right, turn yeah. into a dark spirit. It doesn't mean they're demonic. It just means, you yeah. know. They're not nice ghosts. So it fit pretty well with what the little girls had been talking about. You know, the caretaker, Mr. Gordy, the little girl, and, you know, the entity with no face. So the family then brought in another psychic, and this psychic was more of a religious psychic. And he couldn't actually see ghosts, but he could feel them. And okay. he found very similar results. He found three nasty entities, one at the entrance of Jordan's room, one in Heidi's room trying to attach itself to Heidi, but it was less powerful as the others because it was being fought off by something. Gordy. Mr. Right. Gordy, I imagine. And they also found one in Lisa and Andrew's room. So both psychics found that there was a portal for the entities to come and go in the in the house and in the fireplace, I think they said. And because the girls were psychics, they were like a beacon attracting all yeah. these entities. If you imagine like a lighthouse on a really dark night... That's what these little psychic kids looked like to these entities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the family turned again to the church and the whole community prayed for them and things eventually got a bit better. Oh, thank thank God the church pulled their finger out for once. God's sake. <laughs> um, now, two different endings. I can't, I can't find which one is the right one. So I'm going to do both alternative endings. So the first one, the hauntings got better from the church and the whole community praying and Heidi eventually grew up and she still sees spirits to this day, but she tries to avoid talking about it or acknowledging it. And she still sees the the dark figure with no face who's still haunting her. So she never grew out of the psychic. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's a bit shit, isn't it? I was going to say, it sounded really good at the beginning. I thought, yeah, we'll go with this one. But the fact that she still gets to see that. Yeah, she's but she's she's kind of grown to live with it. 
And then there's another ending where one day Heidi starts screaming and her parents run into her bedroom and she's actually being picked up by an invisible force and hung upside down. That sounds traumatising. The, and then the family oh, decide to God. move and, uh, and yeah, jobs are good. And so I don't know which one's true. I prefer the first one. It's less traumatising. Yeah, that's not great. But it could be an amalgamation of the both, couldn't it? It could be. It could be. So they actually made a film out of it. So have you girls heard of A Haunting in Connecticut? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I can't remember. I've probably seen it, but I haven't. I've I can't heard remember of it. I don't think I've well, there's seen actually it. a haunting in Connecticut, two, a haunting in Georgia, and that's about the Wyrick family. So there you go. And I think there's a book as well. And off the top of my head, oh. I think it's called The Veil, but I'm not entirely sure. So there you go. Jobs are good. Oh, okay. No props. Yeah, Mm. well done. Well, thank you for that. So it was Haunting in Connecticut 2. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one then. I've seen the the first one. That's where they find a box of things and they look really weird. They look like um, semicircles and they look at it closer and it was actually a box of eyelids. Fucking hell. How do you remember? I've seen so many films, I can't remember stuff like that. But... (sighs) I did quite enjoy that one. And it wasn't one... It kind of ended well. It ended happy, so I quite liked that one. I enjoyed the eyelids one. Eyelids, I know. Yeah, but eyelids. I'm going to do a murder next week, then, that involves eyes. That's just, like... Yeah, but that just means, like, the whole eyeball is exposed. In that film, I think that's why they ended up staying because they couldn't close... You know, they ended up staying ghosts in the house because they couldn't get peace by closing their eyes. I actually feel really sick. And I bet that was based on a true story as well then. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, they went with the theory that it was the boy... boy uh, there was a boy that had cancer and because he was, like, dying... That's why he could see the ghost because he was closer to that yeah. side, and um, that's I've I've heard that come up quite a few oh. times in ghost stories that it's people that are ill um, that can see them more that are terminal, yeah, yeah. you know. So I don't know if there's any truth in that, but oh, I've heard it quite a lot. I've heard stories like that quite yeah. a lot. Anyway, shall we wrap it up? Yeah. We were very calm this week, I find. That's what Monday night will do. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Are we all just really tired? Oh, should we plug our <laughs> socials quickly? So yes. you can find us on Facebook, Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. And you can find us on TikTok, Twitter and Instagram. And it's all the same name, which is... S-C-S-K underscore podcast. That's the one. And you can email Becky with any spooky stories or true crime stories at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Any spooky stories? We look forward to hearing from you. Talk to us. And don't hesitate to leave a review and a rating. You can now rate on Spotify, which is grand. We We appreciate. Yeah, we'd really appreciate that. And... Also, share us on your social media platforms 
So, you know, share our posts, um, get your friends listening to. That would be really great. Yeah, and you can subscribe. Do everything. If you're enjoying it. Do the thing, please. Do all of that, guys. Do everything. Just share the love. (laughs) All right, then, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. Bye.